glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Friend, are you being blessed yet? I'm trusting God you are being blessed and encouraged by his word because the word of God never returns void. So friend, as you are being blessed, would you please send me an email to just let me know how these teachings are blessing you, encouraging you, and transforming your lives? Here is our email address, info at drruthtani.org. Again, that is info, I-N-F-O, at drruthtani.org. And I personally read all the emails sent to me. So I look forward to hearing from you how these teachings are blessing you. It will really encourage me and my uh, staff here at the ministry to know that uh, the Lord is using this to transform your lives. And also check us out on Facebook and on YouTube, uh, Dr. Ruth uh, Tanyi uh, Ministries, and I have other teachings there. And also sign up for my e-newsletters. Just visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. Just scroll down. You will see a box that says subscribe uh, to our email list. Just enter the best email address there. You will be subscribed. And we do send out e-newsletters once, sometimes twice a month. And in those uh, newsletters, we have Bible teachings as well. Uh, so there are many ways that uh, you can receive Bible teachings from us. So please stay connected uh, with us and continue to listen to these uh, podcast teachings and grow in God's Word. I thank you for being with me today and may you enjoy the teaching. Here is the teaching. We are sure glad you are listening today as Dr. Ruth continues her teaching. Okay, welcome to today's teaching. I am really excited that you are listening today. As we delve right into the middle of the book of Numbers, we are actually halfway through. Today, I will teach on Numbers uh, chapters 20 and 21. I begin with Numbers uh, chapter 20, a very fascinating chapter. So what is the gist of this uh, chapter? Uh, Two main themes of this chapter is, um, number one, we will learn about the disobedience of Moses and Aaron and how the Lord would pronounce his judgment against them. And also we will learn how the Israelites are beginning to advance into the promised land. However, uh, their brothers, the uh, Edomites, would refuse the Israelites' passage through their country on their way to the promised land. So we will learn a lot today. Let's take a closer look at the first few verses out of Numbers 20. Verse 1, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zen and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. So now, keep in mind, time-wise, the Israelites are now in the desert for approximately 37 or 38 years. And uh, they are, most of them are already dead. And now we 
and learning that Miriam, who is a sister of Moses and also the sister of Aaron, has died. Verse 2, now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, they began to quarrel. We will learn how the Israelites' attitude towards God is really almost uh, predictable at this point. They are still quarreling. They are still complaining. Verse 3, they quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Verse 4, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Verse 5, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, no grape vines. Again, the same complaint. Interesting that the Israelites, they failed to look inward into the problem. They failed to look at themselves or to acknowledge that all of their complaints are rooted from the fact that they did not trust God, okay? They could not trust God. They could not believe in his promises, yet they refused to look at themselves. They were blaming somebody else. They were blaming Moses, blaming Aaron for all of their problems. Listen, when we do this, when we fail to acknowledge our own problems and rather blame somebody else, it is a recipe for disaster. As we are learning, these Israelites would never, never inherit the promise. So when we fail to pause, to evaluate ourselves, like we are told out of the New Testament that we should evaluate ourselves and see if we are walking in the faith. We are told that out of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. When we fail to do that, but rather choose to blame others, we would not grow in the Lord, and we would not inherit his promises or his blessings in our lives. So we should learn from this example, and before complaining, we should stop to evaluate ourselves. So in verse 6, we see Moses and Aaron very frustrated. They went in front of the assembly at the tent of meeting and they fell face down in frustration. And we see how the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Okay. Verse uh, seven, the Lord said to Moses, we are now in verse eight, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Already we see a God who is providing for the Israelites in spite of their complaints against him, in spite of their grumbling. We see God as their provider. Okay, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh meaning God the provider. We see him here really essentially overlooking their complaints and just wanting to be faithful to his word 
and he gave Moses specific instructions to speak to the rock so that water would come out of that rock to uh, give the people to drink. Verse 9, so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Verse 10, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said, to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Let's pass. There is a problem here. Moses, number one, is not carrying out these instructions as unto the Lord. He is very angry. He is frustrated. We could sense that here. He said, listen, you rebels, must we, we here referring to himself and Aaron, must we bring you water out of this rock? Already, we see Moses' frustration. He is already saying that we, they were the ones, him and Aaron were the ones who would bring the water out of the rock, which is a gross disobedience because that was not God told him to do. He is already, in a way, claiming the credit. Must we bring you water? But God did not say that. Let's proceed to verse 11. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. That was a gross disrespect, gross mistake on Moses' part. God told him to speak to the rock. What did Moses do in anger, in frustration? He told the people, Most we, referring to himself and Aaron, bring you water out of this rock. Then he struck it, not just once, twice, instead of speaking to the rock, disobeying God. However, God in his mercy still allowed the water to gush out of the rock to take care of the Israelites, but he will punish Moses for this obvious disobedience. Take a look at verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So we see God's Judgment against Moses and Aaron highlighted here in verse 12. So the Lord is saying that you, Moses, did not regard me as holy. Okay, because had Moses done exactly as God had asked him to do, that would have been another miracle. Okay, that would be a miracle that would have been displayed in front of the entire assembly hallowing the name of the Lord, elevating the name of the Lord, giving God the credit for the miracle because Moses would have just spoke and water would have just come out. The Israelites would have known that that miracle was from God. But because Moses struck the rock, not just once, twice, Moses took credit for it. That did not sit well with the Lord. Friend, we would be wise to give God credit for the miracles, for the blessings in our lives. 
God will not share his credit with no one. There are many people today that the Lord has delivered from all sorts of bondages, that the Lord has blessed immersely, but they do not give God the credit. When you hear them speak, they would always tell you about their hard work. They would always tell you about their trials and their tribulations, forgetting all the while that it was God who enabled them. It was God who strengthened them to accomplish whatever they have accomplished. Please learn to give God the credit for the blessings. Okay, because if you don't do that, God is not pleased. And don't be surprised if that next blessing doesn't come the way you want or if it doesn't come in the manner that you want because you did not give God the credit for that previous blessing. If you don't do that, God would not be obligated to just keep blessing you, blessing you and you claiming the credit. Okay, so God was upset at Moses. And, and this is really amazing because Moses is, is or was a true, humble servant of the Lord who walked in obedience. We can, we can see here that Moses had just reached his breaking point. Moses was human. He had weaknesses. We are seeing some of his weaknesses manifesting here. All right, we really have to guard ourselves when we are weary, when we are tired, when we are frustrated. We should be careful not to let the people sway us, not to let friends, the media, or others push us to act contrary to God's law because we will deal with the consequences. That is what we see happening here with the man Moses. He just allowed the frustration of the Israelites to overwhelm him and he just gave up right here and would not obey God. There are consequences to disobedience, even among the best, such as Moses. So we would be wise to obey God. Okay, verse 13 these were the waters of uh, Mirabah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and, and where he was uh, proved holy among them. So this is really interesting because in the Hebrew, that uh, uh, Meribah there means contention or striving, which really represents what had just happened with uh, Moses uh, where the Israelites quarreled and Moses uh, lost heart and disobeyed God. Okay, so now moving on here, verses uh, 14 through 21 just relay a very interesting encounter whereby the Israelites were on their way to the promised land and they had to come through the country of the Edomites and the Edomites will refuse the Israelites' passage uh, through their land on their way to the promised land. So let's take a look at verse 14. Moses sent uh, messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edmond, saying, This is what your brother Israel says. You know about all the hardships that have come to us. 
let me pause here real quick, just in case you are wondering. The Edomites and the Israelites were brothers. Moses said that correctly. Remember, the Edomites were descendants from Esau, okay? And then we have the Israelites, uh, descendants of Jacob. So remember that story, Esau and Jacob, way back in the book of Genesis? You can go back and refresh your memory. And uh, if you recall, Esau was the one who disliked the spiritual things. Esau was the one who didn't care much about the spiritual blessings. And his descendants uh, are called or were called Edomites. So truly they were brothers. So we see how the Edomites would not allow the Israelites to go past or to go through their land on their way to the promised land. We don't know exactly why, but uh, possibly from jealousy, who knows. But let's proceed here. And in verse 15, Moses went on to explain to the Edomites how they came from Egypt. They had been mistreated there and they cried out to the Lord. The Lord sent an angel who helped them out of Egypt. They were delivered and now they are in Kadesh um, and they are trying to pass through uh, on their way to the promised land. Uh, Moses said um, they would not touch any of their properties. They just want access to go to the promised land. You come to verse 18, but Edmund, Edmund answered, you may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. So essentially, Edomites refused to allow the Israelites to go by. Verse 19, the Israelites replied, We will go along the main road, and if we or our livestock drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through on foot, nothing else. Verse 20, uh, again they answered, You may not pass through. Then Edmund came out against them with a large and powerful army. Verse 21, since Edmund refused to let them go through their territory, Israel turned away from them. Here's what's happening. The Edomites had refused to give the Israelites passage to go through to the promised land. That was God's best, but the Edomites refused. And remember, like I said earlier, these two were brothers. So the Lord did not want the two brothers to, to embark on any kind of fighting or a war. So God allowed Moses to reroute the Israelites through a different route. Again, the lesson here is that there are times when we have to fight. There are times when we have to let go. Okay. Again, there are times when we have to stand up and fight in the name of the Lord. And there are times when we have to say, you know what? I'm going to overlook this. I'm not going to get into any fight. Most importantly, seek the Lord. When to stand up, engage, and fight, and when to just ignore. You have to learn to choose your battles. You don't have to fight every battle in the name of the Lord. It is not the will of God for you to fight every battle in his name. All right? So that is a lesson we are learning here. And because these two were brothers, the Lord said, okay, reroute them. And Moses did. And no fight took place there. 
Okay, we serve a God of peace. Now, verses 22 all the way to, in fact, the end of this chapter, verse 29, will teach us about the death of Aaron as a result of disobeying God. Okay, remember him and Moses, they struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. So we're going to see the, uh, the death of Aaron here. Verse 22, the whole Israelite community set out from Kadesh and came to Mount Ur. Verse 23, at Mount Ur, near the border of Edmon, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron. Verse 24, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I give the Israelites because both of you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. So essentially we see the Lord pronouncing the punishment for Aaron right here. Boy, God is just. Again, highlighting the justice of God, the just nature of God. Even though Aaron had been an obedient servant, so was Moses. But God was not going to overlook this offense. Justice had to be carried out, especially because they disobeyed God in front of everybody. God was not going to accept that. So even as ministers, leaders, pastors, <laughs> when we disobey God, there are consequences. Wow, what a lesson. So the rest of those verses went on to explain how the Lord told Moses that he would take the priestly garment out of Aaron and put it uh, in his son, Elijah, and essentially uh, crowning or approving Aaron's son, Elijah, as priest. That is what is happening here. Eliza would succeed Aaron as the high priest. Verse 27. Moses did as the Lord commanded. They went up to Mount Ur in the sight of the whole community. So Moses carried out the instructions. He took Aaron's garment up and put them on his son Eliza. And Aaron died there. And the people mourned and they mourned for him for 30 days. This is really a powerful lesson. Imagine even Aaron's son, Eliza. Imagine how sudden that was for him. Okay. Just of a sudden, overnight, essentially, he became the high priest. He saw his father dying in front of him. And at the same time, he is being robed as a high priest. Imagine the pressure. He was, he was, uh, Facing, imagine the anxieties he must have been experiencing at that time. The mixed emotions. But the principle here is that Eliza, who was a son of Aaron, had been watching his father closely and had been ministering with his father Aaron. So he had been prepared all the while for this role. Glory to God. I tell you, when God calls us at times, the blessings of God can just happen overnight. In a minute, we have to be always ready. We have to be always ready to serve the Lord. We see how Eliza went from Aaron's son walking with his father as one of the priests to the high priest, the highest position overnight. But all the while, God had been preparing him for this position. He had been observant 
Okay? The scriptures don't tell us that, but if you were to go back and, and, and read some of these verses, you would see how the Lord had been preparing uh, Eliza. Remember earlier, he was the one who would take the red heifer? Remember? You can go back and reread that. So Eliza was prepared for this role. Likewise, we have to be always ready to serve the Lord. Whether or not we had gone to, to a Bible college or not, we today we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit to illuminate scriptures to us, to teach us the truths in God's word. We have to have a, a, an open heart, rather, to learn from God and, of course, to, to learn from the leaders that God has put in our path and we have to be always ready so that when an opportunity arises, when God puts someone in our paths to minister, we would be able to minister with confidence and not worry about, oh, I don't remember that scripture. Oh, I, I, give, me, give me five minutes and I will come back tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. So we have to be always ready to minister for the Lord. So that is a big lesson we can learn there. Okay, that brings us to the end of chapter 20. Moving right along here to chapter 21. What is the gist of this chapter? Another fascinating chapter. We will learn how the Israelites continued to grumble. We would see how God would allow snakes to bite them. Okay, and God would give them an instructions uh, on how they would receive their healing. So let's um, uh, take a closer look at some verses here. And also, even before I proceed, we will learn in this chapter about the advancement of the Israelites into the promised land. So um, uh, verse 1 out of Numbers 21. When the Canaanites, king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along the road to Atharam, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. <laughs> Boy, we see the Israelites en route to the promised land. We see the challenges. We see the battles that they have to overcome. Glory to God. When God blesses us, God's blessings as expressed in his word, at times, or many times, would not come automatically. We would face challenges, and we have to stand up in the name of the Lord to overcome, okay, because he fights our battles for us. So we're going to see how he would do that for the Israelites. Verse 2, then Israel made this vow to the Lord. Now, the Israelites were afraid now of the Canaanites. So now they're going to make a vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. Verse 3, the Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns. So the place was named Homer. We see a compassionate God willing to fight the battles for the Israelites and route to the promised land in spite of the Israelites' quarreling, complaining about him. We see the goodness and the mercy of God right here. Even in our own lives, even when we are not listening to the voice of God, God is still there willing to help us fight battles as we turn to him. 
So what the Israelites did here, they saw the enemy, they panicked, they cried out to the Lord and God answered. Likewise, we have to tend to God, repent, cry out to him and trust him to fight our battles for us. Okay, uh, verse 4. Verses are 4 all the way to verse 9. These are some very powerful verses. Uh, we're going to learn about the presence of Christ in the um, wilderness. Okay, let's take a look at uh, verse 4. They traveled there, referring to the Israelites. They traveled from Mount Ur along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edmond. So they had been rerouted, like we talked about previously. So they are taking a different route. But now they're going to get weary. They're going to start complaining. <laughs> but the people grew impatient on the way. Verse 5, they spoke against God and against Moses. They had just won a battle now. They had just cried to the Lord. These people were so double-minded. It was unbelievable. Already God had just delivered them from the hands of the Canaanites and now they have to reroute. They are complaining. Wow. Going back to verse 5. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? The same stuff. There is no bread. There is no water. <laughs> uh, we detest this miserable food. We do the same thing today. Mm -hmm. People say, why is the Lord taking so long to deliver me from this financial hardship? What is the Lord doing? I don't hear God. I don't see God. I don't feel God. What is taking the Lord so long to bring my child back? I am tired of waiting. I'm going to just do it myself. You know, people do the same thing today. It is very okay to be discouraged. We are humans. We are finite human beings. It's okay to feel frustrated, but it is not okay to allow our frustrations and our discouragements to consume us to the point where we start to look away from God. When we do that, Things will get worse and not better. So when we are experiencing discouragement, fatigue, impatience, we have to stand up and pray more. Okay, because a lot of times before you could overcome, boy, the enemy is going to be there to lie to you that God is not answering your prayer. God is not listening. Don't even bother. Quit praying. Don't bother. God doesn't love you anyway. That is a lie. That is a lie. So when you are feeling impatient about the promise you are expecting from God, when you are feeling discouraged, you have to step up the prayer one notch up. Pray more. Trust God more. Say something like, I refuse to be discouraged in Jesus' name. God is fighting this battle for me. I will not give up. Because you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you to fight your battles. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit is strong. So you have to rely on that strength from your inner man, from the Holy Spirit. So you don't run weary. You cannot give up. The Holy Spirit will take over and help you. All right? But here we see the Israelites consumed by their impatience and discouragement. And they just quit 
listening to God, to Moses, like they've been doing all along. And God is going to send a judgment. So let's see what happens next. Verse 6, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. You see, those snakes were already there in the desert. If you know anything about certain types of snakes, they like the warm temperature in the desert. So the snakes were already there in the desert in this last almost 40 years that the Israelites were in the desert. But God protected them from these snakes. But now God allowed these snakes to bite them. Okay, so God allowed, allowed them and sent the snakes. By sending yet God just allowed it, just removed his protection and the snakes bit them and many of them died. Wow, this is a powerful lesson. I'm telling you. When we are complaining about the Lord, when we disobey God, God removes his protection. We don't want that. Now God is not going to send snakes to bite you. But what's going to happen is that God will allow you to make your own wrong decisions. And when God removes the lead of protection over your life, the enemy will sneak in in a hurry and attack you and devour you. And God would allow it because you disobeyed him first. Mm. Boy, if we can learn, God loves us and he wants to protect us. But we must obey. We must do things his ways to see godly results. Bottom line. Okay. Verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. <laughs> Double-minded people. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So now they are begging Moses to intercede for them. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, make a, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is beaten can look at it and leave. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was beaten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Let's pause here for a minute. There's a powerful lesson here. You know, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, told us in the New Testament out of um, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, I believe verses uh, 14 through 15, that just like Moses, I am paraphrasing now. You can go back and read that on your own. I don't uh, have the time to turn there. The Lord said, actually, you know what? Let me go there. Let's go to John. Let me go there. I feel led by the Lord to, to go there. Okay. The gospel, of, the gospel of John chapter 3, verse 14. This is the Lord talking now. In context, God was... Well, Jesus Christ was God and is God in the flesh. But the Lord Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, the religious leader who had come to him by night uh, to inquire about all of his miraculous works. He admired Jesus. So Jesus was uh, talking to Nicodemus. And then now we come to verse uh, 14. Jesus uh, said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Verse 15, that everyone 
who believes may have eternal life in him. What's happening here is that that bronze snake lifted up on that pole represented a horrific picture of sin, of the Israelites' sin, and of the Israelites' disobedience. So when they looked at that bronze snake lifted on that pole, they received their healing. Likewise, Jesus Christ, the symbolism is that Jesus Christ was lifted on the cross. That was a horrific, horrible sight. He was beaten, shattered, disfigured, and then he was lifted on that cross. But anyone who looks unto Jesus, anyone who looks unto that redemptive work of Jesus Christ on that cross, receive healing from Jesus Christ, receive spiritual regeneration, i.e. they become born again, they become a new person in Christ, they become a follower of Christ, they also receive physical healing and healing from their soul. So the symbolism here is that just like the Israelites had to look on that horrific picture of a snake on the pole, they received their physical healing. Jesus Christ in the New Testament is telling us that he would be lifted on the cross. That picture of Jesus Christ on the cross was horrible. But all of those who look upon Jesus Christ on that cross and look upon his redemptive work of mankind would receive a new birth. They would be given life and healing. Okay, so that is a symbolism here. So we see how the Israelites were looking at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ the healer on that pole. And when they looked up on that pole, looking up on that bronze snake, they were healed by faith. Just like today, when we look upon Jesus Christ, what he has accomplished for us on that cross, when we accept his redemptive work on that cross, we are healed from our restlessness. We are healed from our darkened spirit that becomes regenerated. We become new creatures in Christ. We become Children of God, we have life in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate healer. Okay, that is the connection there. I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. So now, that was a powerful work of Christ in the midst of the Israelites in the wilderness. So let's take a look at the rest of these verses here. Beginning in verse 10. All the way to really um, verse 20 is just an, uh, an outline or a report of the movement of the Israelites in, in the desert as they are advancing to the promised land. Uh, you can read all those verses on your own. We come down to... Um, Let's, let's take a look at the end there of verse, uh, or the beginning of verse 19. Then they went from the wilderness to Matana, from Matana to Nehafil, from Nehafil to Bamuth, and from Bamuth to the valley of Moab, where the top of Pisgah overlooks the wasteland. So we see the Israelites advancing in their journey to get into the promised land. 
We come to uh, verse 21. This is interesting because verses 21 all the way to the end of this chapter, we will learn how the Israelites came in contact with the Amorites on their way to the promised land. And the Amorites would not allow the Israelites to go through to the promised land. God would deliver the Amorites into the hands of the Israelites this time. So let's take a closer look at some of these verses. Beginning with verse 21. Israel sent uh, messengers to say to Shingon, king of Amorites. Verse 22. Let us pass through your country. We will not turn aside into any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. Essentially, we see Moses uh, sending messengers to go tell the king of the Amorites that, listen, let us just go through here to where we are going. Just like he did when he sent messengers to king of Edomite. We see the same thing happening here. Verse 23, but Shihon would not let Israel pass through his territory. Here we see the uh, king of Amorites refused, just like the king of Edomites refused to allow Israelites passage through uh, the land. But this time God would act different. God would give Moses a different instructions rather. Let's take a look at this. And uh, the Amorites just came and attacked the Israelites and God would fight this battle on their behalf. Um, he mustered his entire army. I'm now in verse 23 referring to the king of Amorites. He mustered his army after uh, the Israelites had asked permission to pass through Apparently, the king of Amorites became afraid, so he put his armies together and he went and attacked <laughs> the uh, Israelites. Look at verse um, 24. Israel, however, put him to the sword and took over his land. So essentially, the Israelites, through the power of God, won, overcame the Amorites. Uh, in verse uh, 25, Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites and occupied them, including Heshbon and all its surrounding settlements. The principle here is that God enabled or allowed the Israelites to, to overcome this victory. And um, when the Amorites attacked the Israelites, God fought this, big, this victory on their behalf, okay? Remember, before, God did not want the Israelites to fight against the Edomites because they were brothers. But here we see how an enemy just came and attacked the Israelites and God fought on their behalf and they won. Again, highlighting God's protective care for his chosen people, God's faithfulness in spite of, of them, Israelites, rejecting God, God was still fighting their battles for them. So uh, the rest of those verses just uh, went on to provide details about the, uh, the victory. You can read that on your own. And uh, verses 27 all the way to verse 20. No, 
verse 27 all the way to verse 30, again, providing details of the victory. I will let you read that. Verse 31, so Israel settled in the land of Amorites. Okay, so that is telling us that uh, the victory was a success. Verse 32, after Moses had sent spies to uh, Jezza, the, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements and drove out the Amorites who were there. Verse 33, then they turned and went up along the road toward Bashan and Og, king of Bashan, and his whole army marched out to meet them in battle at Edria. I mean, are you seeing a picture here that this is amazing principle? The Lord is faithful. God had promised this people, his chosen people, the Israelites, the promised land. He is with them, rerouting them. Yet in the middle of their route to the promised land, they are encountering all these barriers. They are encountering all these hurdles. Boy, this is a big message that the will of God in our individual lives many times just doesn't happen without our co cooperation. It doesn't happen without the enemy attempting to steal it from us. It doesn't happen without the enemy Fighting us. We have to fight back. We see how the Israelites are on their way to the promised land. Yet they are running into so many problems. Boy, I tell you, we cannot give up. Even when we are believing God for financial uh, support, whatever we are believing God, we are going to go through some hard times. The enemy is going to attack us. We are going to run into some problems. That does not mean that God is not with us. God is always with us in the middle of each battle as we are fighting to overcome. Just like we see here in the lives of the Israelites in the desert. They are running into all these problems. All those other nations and routes to the promised land are attacking them on their way to the promised land. My goodness, please, I hope you are taking this seriously because whatever you are believing God for today, if you are not seeing it right now, that does not mean that God is not with you. God is there fighting the battles. Don't give up. Trust God. Don't give up. God is there. Some things just don't happen easily. Some things don't just happen when we want it, okay? In fact, it is through the trials and tribulations when we stay steadfast. That is when our faith is strengthened. That is when we know that God is real. So we cannot give up easily when we don't see the promises manifest. Wow, I hope you are really getting the message here, which is why the Bible, the entire Bible is here for us to learn. Some of you may be thinking that, well, all these stories in the Old Testament about the Israelites in the wilderness, where Jesus Christ has come, we don't need that. But look at the lessons we are learning right here about the presence of hardship and root to receiving God's promises. Boy, 
The Bible, the teachings in the Bible, the principles are immutable. These principles are still applicable today. Okay? So I hope you can see that. All right. So now that brings me to verse 34. Okay? We had learned how the Israelites had, had conquered the uh, Amorites and they had settled in their cities. And now they are advancing now to the promised land. And now they have come in contact with a different king. Okay, so let's pick it up here in verse 34. The Lord said to Moses, do not be afraid of him for I have delivered him into your hands along with his whole army and his land. Again, we see the Israelites facing another battle. Okay, that the, 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 uh, the king of Og or the Og king of Basham and his whole army came to attack the Israelites. But God had already won this battle even before Moses and the Israelites prayed to him. Much like at times, God is just waiting for us to act in faith. The battle is already won. We know that. Jesus has won the battle for us. Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Everything we need is already done. We just have to act in faith. Okay, just like God was telling Moses and the Israelites, to relax that he has already delivered them into their hands okay do to him what you did to Shinhong king of Amorites who reigned in Heshbon so we see the Lord here in verse 34 telling Moses to overtake to crush the um the king of Basham and his entire army because him God had already Deliver them to the hands of the Israelites. So God is reassuring Moses and the Israelites not to be afraid. To step out in faith and to act in boldness. To, to engage in battle because the battle is theirs. Verse 35. So we see how Moses and the Israelites would act in faith. So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army. Leaving them no survivors. And they took possession of his land. Powerful story of faith. Wow. How God had already delivered these people into the hands of Israelites. God just said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just overcome. And Moses obeyed. And they won the victory. Much like God is telling us today. We should not be afraid of the enemy. We should not be afraid of his lies and his deception. We should take his teachings in his word and put them in practice and act on them and just trust him with the results. Because all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. We, not, we need not be afraid. There is no need to be afraid. For God is fighting our battles for us. He is just trusting. He is just Wanting us to step out in faith to trust him. God is trusting you to trust him. Did you know that? Some of you are saying God is trusting me. Yes, God is trusting that you would act on his word. That you would act in faith and believe him and see him de deliver you from your problems. 
Okay, that was a powerful lesson of faith right there. So that brings us to the end of chapter 21. So let us go over the major principles we have learned from these two powerful chapters here in the book of Numbers. Principle number one, God fights our battles for us. We need not be afraid. Jesus said he has overcome the world. Take heart. Okay. We saw the work of Christ in the Old Testament. Like I had explained already, I am not going to belabor the point. I talked about the bronze snake on the pole. That was the work of Christ in the Old Testament. And Jesus confirmed that in the New Testament, that that was uh, him doing the healing for the Israelites, just like he is the healer, the redeemer, redeemer rather, for all those who look unto him for salvation today. We learned about God's faithfulness uh, in spite of the Israelites grumbling against him. We saw how God was still their provider and fought their battles for them. We also learned the principle of disobedience and the consequences, i.e. God's justice. Okay, I talked about the fact that even as ministers, priests, pastors, we still have to obey God, obviously, and there are consequences when we as leaders disobey God. God is just. God is no respecter of persons. So what are the major applications? This is obvious. We should trust God. We should step out in faith because the battle has already been won. On the cross by Jesus Christ, God is waiting for us to act in faith, to take his promises in his word and, and step out in faith and trust him with the results because he has already won our battles. We just have to, to trust him with the results. And he is trusting us to trust his word and act on his word, okay? And our faith in Christ is what... Uh, will enable us to overcome. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 teaches us very clearly that all of the promises of God through Christ are a resounding yes and amen. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Just like God told the Israelites not to be afraid, we should not be afraid of the lies of the enemies. We should not be afraid Okay, of the deception from the enemy is just a shadow. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, is a real thing. The Word of God, the timeless truths, the immutable truths are the real thing. When we step in faith and trust the Word of God and put it into practice in our lives, we will see godly results. The choice is ours. Okay, and of course, God's justice, God is just, disobedience, Sin must be punished. So we would be wise to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us so we can walk in obedience. Father God, today we just thank you for these powerful lessons we have learned from your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to strengthen us to put your word into practice moment by moment. We cannot do it on our own. We are incapable of doing it on our own. We depend on you. Holy Spirit, teach us, strengthen us moment by moment. 
enable us to look unto Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and Redeemer, to help us to overcome because the victory is ours. The battle has been won. Teach us how to, how to stand in faith. Teach us how to be people of endurance, people with steadfast, unshakable faith in Jesus Christ because it is your will that we as your children are fruitful. Help us in this endeavor. Father God, we believe by faith you have answered this prayer. We receive it and we declare and we decree it is done. We thank you. In Jesus' name, I say amen. And if you are listening to me for the first time or if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, just like Jesus Christ told us in the Gospels, out of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, like I explained, that anyone who looks unto him has life. Today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to, today. It is never too late. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The Bible teaches us out of the book of Acts chapter 4, I believe verse 12, that there is no other name that salvation must come through except the man Jesus Christ. Because like I have been saying, he is the only person who fulfilled all of God's laws in the Old Testament perfectly, 100%. Jesus Christ was God before he became man. Jesus Christ was God 100% and he was man 100%. He died in place of you on that cross. That, that horrific scene of Jesus Christ on that cross, just like I explained, that was for you. Jesus Christ lived a sinless, perfect life. He never sinned. Yet, on that cross, supernaturally, on his sinless body, he took upon all the sins of this entire world on his sinless body so that you don't have to die for your own sins. He died in your place. Okay? And he was buried. And after the third day, God the Father raised him from the dead so you can spend eternity with him in heaven if you choose it's your choice the bible is so clear that if you believe that jesus christ was god and if you believe in all of his works and you confess that with your mouth and you simply ask him to come in into your life he will it's as simple as that. If you just believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life, you believe that in your heart, you confess that, you will become his follower. There is no other way to the true one and only living God of the heavens and the earth except through Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived. Jesus Christ is the only way. So if you are ready, say this simple prayer. If you are home, you can go on your knees and just raise your hands towards the heaven. That is a position of humility. If you are driving, you can say this prayer with your eyes wide opened. God is looking straight into your heart. 
just simply say, Dear God, forgive me for all of my sins, knowingly and unknowingly. Today I repent and I acknowledge I am a sinner. I receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Right now, I am asking you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life and to make me a new person. I receive your forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. And I believe on the third day you were raised from the dead by God the Father. Thank you. By faith, I believe you have accepted me. Dear God, fill me with your spirit right now so I can be strengthened to live a life pleasing to you as a Christian. By faith, I believe I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, I denounce all other false gods. I declare by faith I am a true follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, based on God's word, I declare you a follower of Jesus Christ. And right now, by faith, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And according to Jesus himself, no one will ever snatch you from his hands. When you die, you will spend eternity in the presence of God. Welcome into God's kingdom. Please contact us so we can send you some more resources to help you to grow in your journey as a Christian. If you said that prayer for the first time. And what needs to happen next is you have to find a church and become a member. Go to church regularly. Find a church that uses the Bible as the main authority to teach God's word. A church that practices the principles taught in the Bible, a church that elevates Christ, and Christ is the center of that church. Find a church that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is present. Find a church like that. Plug yourself there into a ministry, and you serve God. You study your Bible. You trust God. He will take you places that you will never imagine. Welcome into God's kingdom. In Jesus' name, be blessed today. Amen. Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I.org. And check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe 
That way, you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, amen.